S. We're not just invoking words. Um, in the ancient world, when you invoked someone's name, when you gave an invocation and you invited their name in your presence, in the presence of others, you were inviting in their presence and their power. Amen? So when we come in the name of Jesus and worship, and when we pray in the name of Jesus, you are inviting the very presence of the risen Jesus, the risen Christ in this place. Amen. Yes, Amen. What does that mean? That means that when God's presence is in this place, when you invoke the name of Jesus, you are invoking love. Mm -hmm. Some of you need love today. Mm -hmm. Amen. Some of you need healing today. Some of you need hope today. And so when you pray in worship, when the, the worship leaders are leading us into the very presence of God, and they're saying, in the name of Jesus, I need you to understand, you need to be able to invoke the name of Jesus as well. Amen. 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 We thank God for the worship team. We thank God for all of you this morning. Praise God. Lord, I just want to pray. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your presence and power to heal. God, we thank you for grace right now, God. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit, God, that is in this place. God, speak to your people, God. Encourage them, provoke them, challenge them, upset them, God. Turn their world upside down for the kingdom of God, Lord. Lord, shake up their presuppositions about who you are, God. God, we thank you for these things in the name of Jesus, Lord. May your word be fruitful and multiply in their lives and in this community, God. May we grow in love and holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Bible, I'm not about to say Bible labs. Yeah, I've been trying to change the language. So in Mission Lab, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the power of grace. And I think it's important, uh, when we, the first video, the pre-worship video that we played uh, with Dr. Perkins, he talked about grace and the power of grace. And one of the things that I want to give further clarification about, even beyond the name of Jesus, is this. Grace is not just letting people off the hook. Y'all know how we say it, right? Just give them some grace. Right? That is not what grace is, per se. Grace is what happens when God shows up in our lives and, 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 and becomes present in our lives in such a way that we can actually accomplish what God desires for us to do. Let me put it another way. Is God giving you some can-do? You know, people say, what about a can of... <laughs> yeah. Amen. I'm in a church today, so I'll say it right. Amen. Grace is God willing our can of can do in your life. Can do what? Can do live holy. Can do live lovingly. Can do be faithful. Can do be merciful. Can do worship. Can do serve. Can do become selfless. Self-giving. Can do courage. Can do the ability to speak truth to power. Can do to intercede for your enemies. Can do to ask to, uh, to operate and practice forgiveness for those who have oppressed you. Grace is a beautiful thing. 
but it can be scary. God invading your life. God interrupting your life. And God giving you the ability to be that God intends for you to be. Isn't that something? God doesn't leave it up to you. I know some of you may have come, been exposed to the Christian or religious uh, systems that tell you that it's all up to you. You can do this in your own strength. You can do this in your own power. If you just follow the rules. But here's the thing, though. God graces us. Amen. So I love Dr. Perkins, man. His life is a testimony to the grace of God in operation. And so last week, we talked about some of this. We talked about how God uh, will relocate us. What y'all think about some of that? Was that okay? Yeah. Was that okay? Yeah. Amen. So it's interesting. Uh, we shared it last week. You know, we had a guest here. Uh, who was listening to that message in the way that all of us were responding to the message and went and shared that. So people were walking up to me and asking me, man, what are y'all talking about down there? What's, what's the word down there? I was like, this poetry and all this stuff, man, what is God doing down there? I said, well, you come see. <laughs> but, you know, if you just if you want to hear it from afar, that's cool too. But I'm, I'm less interested in you thinking of a cool word. I want you to be. I want you to join with us in, in learning to embody the words that are coming forth. Amen. It's not. It's not enough to just hear the word, but to become doers of the word. Amen. So God, may God uh, relocate us. So last week we talked about relocation. Amen. Let me go to my text this morning. It's going. To, my primary text is going to be in Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. And before I read the text, I want to acknowledge some of the work that we've been doing as a community. And it's very powerful. Yesterday, some of us uh, were with, uh, I, got, I came to the end, but uh, Tony Miller Cross and I think Ash and Tony and, and Miss Brenda and some others went and did this, my sister's keeper. They were having conversations about community development, economic development, and how to uh, take hold of one's finances. Some of us... Um, March, me, Colleen, and who else was down there at the March? Randy and others uh, in our community were at, um, at the March downtown uh, uh, in response to the, the epidemic of violence that has broken out in our community. And earlier that morning, uh, the Artists Collective came together and put words of healing, some poetry, some prose, up there on the wall right there. So before you leave today, I want you to take time to read through that. And I want you also to understand this. These words, and there's another, there's, a, there's more of an expansion of our installation that will be coming up in the near future. This is just a trailer. This is just words that are, that came to all of our souls. And I think all of them gave their signatures on it. The first one was by Gabby. The second one here is uh, George. And the other one here is Danny at the end. So when you get a chance, read these. And I want you to understand this. These words are a reflection after we walked through Lafayette community several weeks ago. In particular, this is the community where Ferguson Laurent was killed by the police back several months ago. And so as we walked through the Lafayette community, as we were practicing relocation, we were trying to get into that space. We're trying to understand the, the, the oppression, trying to understand the hurt, the violence, and the pain uh, that is in that, and also the joys that are in that community. If you remember last week when we talked about relocation, when a church, when a body of Christ decides to relocate, it ain't necessarily about you picking up and moving to another city. It may be that. 
but it's also learning how to be in a place where God is sending you. In particular for us to be in those places most affected by poverty and violence and injustice where their problems become our problems. When their pain becomes our pain. When their concerns become our concerns. So a body of Christ is committed to what Dr. Perkins calls relocation. What begins to happen is when you relocate, when you come into a place, when you decide to be an incarnational people, when you decide to become like Jesus, God made flesh, and moving into the neighborhood, guess what? Your language begins to change. Your posture begins to change. New poetry. New song. New perception. New ways of being in the world. And so, I'm, I'm blessed in order to be Amongst a crazy group of artists, <laughs> this artist collective that's founded for, uh, that has emerged here, and so we get to give words and expression to the deep longings of God in the midst of oppression and pain and desire for a better world for our children and for our elders. We get to articulate that with imagery and visionary uh, visual arts. Amen. So please take time to read these these words that have been soaked by being present in the community. Amen. That's relocation, right? Amen. That's relocation. So you're like, man, is that what we're doing, Pastor? Yeah, no. We got some more tricks up our sleeves. Amen. Amen. Let me read this passage. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. And I'll be reading from verse 11 through 21. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what's seen rather than what is in the heart. And what Paul is doing here is before I continue to read, I want to give you a whole lot of I want to give you a whole lot of context. But I need you to understand that what Paul is doing here, being an apostle, he was sent to Corinth many years before. And so he was sent to help establish a discipleship community. That's what apostles do. They establish things. They, they lay foundation and they push the boundaries and the frontiers of the kingdom of God in undiscovered, or not undiscovered, but in untouched territory where the kingdom of God emerges where justice and righteousness and mercy and love begin to emerge embodied in a community. So apostles established things. So Paul had established this community in Corinth. And what has happened, he's had to go away. And when he went away, some other leaders came in, some super duper apostles came in to try to undermine his authority and his leadership. Saying stuff like what Paul says in verse 13, let's continue the reading. If we are out of our minds, because these folks were saying that Paul and his, and his cohorts were out of their minds, as some say, Paul's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I am out of my mind. And then he says, why? He says, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. <laughs> I love Paul, right? Paul is sarcastic, man. Paul said, yeah, we are out of our mind. We really believe what we're preaching. We ain't playing around. Some say we out of our minds. But we're doing this for God. If we're doing it for you, it will sound right. 
If we were doing it for you to appeal your ego and your own assumptions of what you think church should be, guess what? It is for you. It would be for you and not for God. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. <laughs> and he died for all, and that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Lord have mercy. That is so un-American. <laughs> Jesus died so that you will no longer have to live for yourself. People always ask me, you know, there's a big theological conversation around uh, what is it, why did Jesus have to die, right? And we can give all the theological answers, but I will tell you this, in everyday practical existence, Jesus died so that you can now have the capacity to no longer live for yourself. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Whew, that's going to get crazy. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Paul understood what this meant. Paul understood before Paul got knocked off his horse in the, in the book of Acts in chapter 9 on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, to persecute those who had been with Jesus. Paul was saying, I at one point regarded Jesus from a human point of view. I saw him as this crazy false prophet leading poor people and marginalized people and some powerful people astray. So I had to go kill him, throw him in jail, consent to their deaths. But Paul then says this, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come the old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Whoa. <laughs> that sound like church? <laughs> Did I read that right? Oh. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this same work, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. God was making or is making God's appeal through us. God is making God's own appeal. God is inviting and, and challenging and speaking through our lives. God is making God's appeal to be reconciled through our community. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? And that's God is so good. Amen. God is so good. Dr. Perkins says this. He said, reconciliation is at the heart of the gospel. Amen. Mm -hmm. It's at the very heart of the gospel. So if anybody, if you're confused about what the gospel is, 
Right? Somebody put you in the corner and said, well, what's the gospel? What's the good news? Well, he said, well, I at least know this. That God is reconciling all things back to himself. That God is bringing back, rescuing, healing, setting straight all that is broken and, and made, and made uh, has done, done violence against in the name of fallen humanity and sin and oppression. God is reconciling, restoring us back to God's own self. Right? So you can't remember the, sport, the four spiritual laws. If you can't remember the Romans road, if you can't remember the seven steps that you were told in the basement of some church many decades ago, all the different steps you got to go through, and that is the gospel, let me just summarize it for you. The gospel is this. Be reconciled to God. So, so, I know. It's a little too simple, actually. It wouldn't make a good tract. Y'all been in the back when they leave little tracks on the little toilet stand? You got to read through the pages and Oh, there's some fire and people burn it up and it's like, oh, Lord, Jesus. <laughs> Paul said, be reconciled to God. Hmm. Let me read something that Dr. Pershing says in this book. I highly recommend this book. Actually, we put together a library back there. We'll have some of these in this. Uh, we're going to put together a little library uh, here. So we got some books going into us by Sister Colleen. Thank you, Sister, for that. The second R, reconciliation, Dr. Perkins says, is at the heart of the gospel. It is the process by which God brings us to God's own self and keeps us. It is the main activating force within the redemptive idea. It is the process of forgiveness of sin. The Bible makes it clear that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It is also the process by which believers in Christ are joined to one another. His purpose was to create in him, he's quoting Paul here, his purpose was to create in him one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He's working out our forgiveness. And here's a word about forgiveness. I think we get confused sometimes with forgiveness. We think forgiveness is God letting us off the hook. But like we talked about in the lab a couple weeks ago, forgiveness is when God, literally, the imagery there is that a person standing on a slave block with chains on their feet and hands. Forgiveness in the Bible is when God brings the key, the power of grace to unlock the chains that are in our lives. Forgiveness is when God releases you from the bondage and the power of sin and death. Forgiveness is you, God, coming into your life. And, letting, letting, and giving you the power to let go of the sin that so easily besets us and weighs us down. Forgiveness of sins is not saying, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. Forgiveness is God. Give me the power to walk in freedom. Mm. Man, church got to revisit that, y'all. We're going to talk about it soon. Reconciliation is working in the process of forgiveness, being forgiven and forgiving others. Mm. So asking for forgiveness is not just about you asking God to give you the power to let go of sin. It's also about you letting go of others who have sinned against you. I know that ain't easy. It's an ongoing living thing in the Bible. It's active. It's a moving force. We work out the idea of redemption with redemptive living. Our churches today make reconciliation an event or an institution rather than treating it as a gift from God and an integral part of the gospel message in general. Amen. That's reconciliation. That's reconciliation. 
And so, and so reconciliation uh, in this light, and according to Paul, and even here, Dr. Uh, Perkins here, reconciliation is wholly the work of God. God initiates this process. Perkins is a strong proponent of reconciliation. He even goes on to say this. Of course, reconciliation isn't just about being in relationship with people from different backgrounds. It is about mending broken relationships through repentance and forgiveness. Sometimes the repentance and forgiveness are on behalf of whole groups of people. Let me get my board real quick. All right, early. Let me get my board. Amen. Let's get, get the board, y'all. It's okay. All right. Can everybody see that? Right, we'll bring it to the middle here. See, in, in the, the normal church imagination, reconciliation looks like this. We have God up here, right? And then we have us humans here, right? And so a lot of times in, in, in church, I know, right? I have a whiteboard and it's, it's a bad habit. And so um, normally in our religious system, which what we see is when human ego and humans are in the, are in the uh, they put themselves in the driver's seat, they see reconciliation as them trying to make their way to God. I got to find God. I got to find my way to heaven. I got to work my way to this, to this higher echelon of spirituality, right? But see, in the kingdom of God, God finds us. Matter of fact, we're already found. Right? See, see I love this song by Lecrae when he says, God will put an APB out on me. Right? But here's the thing. God is already present. You just have to learn how to acknowledge that. How to become aware. And so a lot of times what we say is reconciliation and even the church circles, even when we say, yeah, God's found us, God has, has redeemed us, God has restored us. I have now, as we say in church, I have a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Y'all heard this language before, right? Mm -hmm. And we think this is, the, the, this is reconciliation. It is only part of reconciliation. Reconciliation is more than just a vertical axis. Right, y'all. How many y'all taking geometry right now? College or school? Any geometry folks, right? This, this is the vertical axis, right? What's that? What's the name of the axis? The y axis. What's the name of the axis? The y axis. The y axis. That's why. That's why. That's why I showed up. Vertical up and down. Right, that's the y axis, right? So Christians got a y axis spirituality. Just me and Jesus. Me and my Savior. We just, he just making footprints in the sand. Just me and him. When I just saw, I saw two steps, I saw two steps set to footprints, but then halfway down the beach, I saw one step. What was that? That was, just, that was Jesus carrying me. That's beautiful. Just me and Jesus. But I want to submit to you. That God was doing something very much way more subversive and revolutionary than just you and him in relationship. There's the x-axis. And that is humans and humans. And all the different ways that humans, uh, humans are very creative, right? 
We create all kinds of ways to be antagonistic towards each other and to oppress each other. And so reconciliation for God is God acting powerfully to intervene and to interrupt all the different ways that humans oppress each other and sin against each other. So Christian, in the heart of the Christian faith is this understanding that God is uh, bringing power to reconcile humans back to, to con connect humans back to on God's self through Jesus and also how God is intervening in our communities to bring about reconciliation and healing and restoration between different humans both on the individual level or the personal level and also at the group level. Have y'all heard this before? It looks like a cross, right? Yeah, I, I did that on purpose. You understand what the cross is about. The cross ultimately is about reconciliation. God entering into the oppression, the sin that we do, not just as an affront to God, but also to and God intervening into that. So guess what? Christianity, guess what? Malik, Malik, Malachi. See, I'm trying to give you another name here. I'm trying to give you another name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mama Myra. So as Malachi said, Esther and everybody else and Tim, right, y'all notice the X and the Y axis. Christianity is not just x-axis. Christianity is not just y-axis. At the heart of the gospel is a x-y spirituality. Yes, we cultivate our personal relationship with Jesus. Yes, we find our ways to, to leave our hearts open for God's spirit to move into our lives, to help us walk out forgiveness, and, and to become more freer in God, to become a more holy people by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, between the us and God. But it's also about us and us. Amen? Amen. So if y'all do a Facebook out there, that Christianity is an X and Y axis way of following Jesus. <laughs> and we won't get too deep into the physics, right? We get to the Z axis. Ah, uh, see, I went ahead and took ahead of some lesson down the road, but you'll, you'll talk about that later, man. You get into quantum physics or something. All right. Not just the x-axis or y-axis faith when we make change. And it's not also this. And see, there's a temptation. And I have to say it. I mean, forgive me, Lord. Right? But uh, forgive me, my progressive friends who may be listening to this. See, progressive folks want to just make it an x-religion. X-axis religion. It's just about humans and humans. Mm. Uh, yeah. Ah, see, I hate to pick on my liberal friends a little bit. We want to make it just about human groups against human groups. And liberals, and my, even my, our conservative friends don't understand, we can't seem to understand why we can't resolve the antagonisms in this culture. Why? Because we have a political structure that is grounded in the human belief that humans can resolve their antagonisms based upon their own egos and their own strength. But here's the thing that the gospel tells you, that you can't do this without God. See, let me tell you, we got any, this is for the educated folk here. See, see, our political economy is established and structured to maintain competitive self-interest, to maintain structures of interest where people is inherently built within the very political and economic structures to maintain antagonism. It's what helps keep the system going. To undo antagonism in this system is to ask for chaos and anarchy. So, all my political science folks who heard that, y'all know what I'm talking about. Basically, it's this. 
humans trying to make humans get together and work it out and their own egos and interests and greed and their own broken selves. You see why the gospel is so important now. We need God. We need God. For Perkins, reconciliation is more than just getting along. I remember the Rodney King. I remember Mace. Can we all just get along? After nearly being beaten to death by police, right, as he got healed and God bless his soul, he couldn't get rid of his own nightmares and demons so forth, but we reduce it to that. See, 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 reconciliation is what I love about God. See, God becomes a human being and enters into history. Mm. 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 See, God ain't like human beings. See, humans in our egos, we want to try to get past the history. <laughs> <laughs> y'all know y'all be in conversations about you know, like racism for us. Can y'all just get past the history? Sad, this is what I love about God. See, God doesn't go past the history. God goes into the history and through the history. Mm-hmm. Let me just say, let me, let me challenge y'all a little bit. See, people who have been reconciled to God, they don't go past history. They go through the history. They understand the history. They, they, they imbibe it. They try to understand the ways that we have harmed each other and the ways that those ways of harm still persist this very day. That's why they understand people who have been gripped by the power of God's reconciling grace understand that they can't go past the history. They got to go through the history. So when folks say stuff like, can we just get past it? And you got to say, as lovingly as you can. Get out your flesh. Get on your knees. Because you're not being like Christ right now. So Dr. Brown, this is more than just about being in right relationship with people or just hanging out with people that are different than us. But it's also about mending the very fissures the very things that cause us to be uh, uh, broken with each other, that cause uh, the men the very things that cause harm and injustice and oppression towards each other. This is what true reconciliation is. That's why, you know, somebody called me recently about becoming a part of a similar process. Uh, churches coming together to reconcile. Like, are y'all going to talk about the history? Are you going to talk about the pain? Are you going to talk about the very presence of the history in the present moment? Well, brother, that's too deep. That's that. No, we can't. We can't do that. We're trying to get people to come together. Come together. Come together around what? God don't escape history. Man, God is so bad and God is so loving that God decided to jump into history and allow history to kill him. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, brother, I'll see. You know, I can, my head. I'm like, man, I just wanted to talk. <laughs> you don't need no more kumbaya. God wasn't kumbaya. The cross on Golgotha, they weren't singing kumbaya. Well, yeah, they were. He did come by there. Right? But it wasn't like he didn't come by there with bells on. He came he came by there with nails to his hands on a wooden cross. That is reconciliation. See, God didn't try to escape history. Mm -hmm. 
God allowed history to come upon him. The history of human oppression, the history of human sin and ego and all manner of injustice. God decided and allowed history to come upon him. God tried to escape the cross, which is human history writ large. I'm going a little deep this But you've got to hear the gospel. It's about mending the divisions in the fissure. We've got to be careful with our language. This is more than just about being divided. You gotta be careful with the language. See, problem pastor, and I'd be told that we're just divided people. What do you mean? Brother, I don't see color. I don't see difference. We're all the same. And I'm like, I'm looking at this brother, I'm like, then you don't see me. <laughs> I know I'm a little light. I'm still a chocolate chip. <laughs> You go in the grocery store, look for the chocolate chip cookies and say, I don't see chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Are you looking for invisible cookies? <laughs> you can even see vanilla cookies. God is not interested in obliterating the differences among us. What God is interested in obliterating is how we treat each other. Amen. Does that make sense? Somebody come to you that foolishness about color blindness again, tell them, like, what? You can't see me? You can't see my culture? You can't see my heritage? You can't see the unique ways that my people going back to Akibalon? They're like, what's Akibalon? Is that a planet? Is it a new planet? They just, them seven planets they discovered <laughs> around Trappist last week by NASA? Yeah. solar system 40 light years away yeah. with seven planets that possibly can inhabit life. Mm. Go figure. <laughs> Maybe God's given us another solar system to live in probably for the next four years. I digress. I digress. I digress. But I want, we, God wants us to see each other. God made this. Black people, God made this. You are beautiful. Yeah. European brothers and sisters, you are beautiful. My Latino and Hispanic brothers and sisters, you are beautiful. You have made beautiful things in the world. God has graced you. And you made you in the image of God and gave you beautiful skin and culture and ethnicity. Don't feel like you've got to run away from that. Amen. Especially if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Yes. It's a sin. To not love how God has made your people over history and time and culture. And y'all, the church, we so messed up. I can't even preach that in a lot of churches. Mm. I get booed out. Yes, you do. Reconciliate. Reconciliate. Amen. I want you to see me. Amen. I want you to discover your own past. I want you to understand the deep history. I want you to understand how the history is present in our present moment. I want you to understand the systems in place in our community that keeps the things that prevent reconciliation from happening in this community. I want you to understand this followers of Jesus and those who have good conscience. I want you to understand the things that keep us in, in, uh, apart from each other and also mistreating each other even when we don't even understand or even when we're not even conscious of it. We'll get deeper into that with lab. Amen. So you want to get deeper? Come to lab. On a whole, a whole lot of people. So I'm going to go more to a Paul. Paul is 
at the core of the story, people enslaved by the power of sin and in need of forgiveness. They, uh, at the core of the story is a reconciled people by a reconciling God who have been forgiven and freed from the power of sin and death. They reconciled people to a holy God. And so what you need to understand is at the heart, at the very, very heart of reconciliation lies God. The love, the mercy of God. And this, this thought, this blew me away as I meditated this morning. And I was just, in the late, in the early morning, I was just meditating on this. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. So as Mark Gornick says, the church is to embrace love, forgive, and incorporate people across all barriers of gender, ethnicity, race, culture, and class. To be in Christ is to be gripped by the reconciling power of God that overflows into our world, into our history, through our lives. Reconciliation. You return to that slide. Reconciliation is a change. Reconciliation is a change in the relationship between God and humans and humans and humans. It assumes there has been a breakdown in the relationship, but now there has been a change from a state of enmity and fragmentation to one of harmony and fellowship. This is what true biblical reconciliation is. It's not trying to skate past the difficult stuff. Mm -hmm. In reconciliation, there are no elephants in the room. Mm -hmm. Their elephants have been smacked on the butt and chased out the room. So we can make room to have real conversation mm -hmm. and deeper living with each other. So let's get to Paul. Let's get, get to the deep here, and we'll finish out with this. You know, they think Paul is out of his mind, and, and they think is you know he lost his mind talking about how Jesus' love compels him and how they're for God and what God is up to in the world. And so back to verse sixteen. Go back to the passage, verse sixteen. So now. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. And so what does this mean? When Paul says that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound smart, but I'm really not a whole lot smart, but I'm not really a Greek scholar, but I have to tell you, it's not what uh, people have been led to believe. When Paul says a worldly point of view, it's the word kata sar. Mm. I just spoke in tongues for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> That's Koine Greek. Katasaka. Say it. Katasaka. I didn't put a slide with them, I'm sorry. It's K A T A C A R K. K A T K A T A S A R K. Am I supposed to write that? Sounds so cool, right? Tony Samurai moves. No, it's Greek, the bitch. What does this mean? Paul says, I don't see, I don't see Christ any longer from a human point of view. I don't see Christ katasarka. What does that mean? That means that I don't see Christ based upon the brokenness and the sinful human history that I have inherited. I no longer reduce Christ to what I just seen from the past and how the past has shaped my life and the way I see in the world. I no longer regard him as katasarka. Katasarka. It's fleshly eye. It's worldly eyes. It's about how you see another person, how you see God at work, how you see Christ. Do you see Christ and other people with Karasaka or the other one that I'm about to mention? I need somebody to play Karasaka. George, can you play Karasaka for me? Come on up here, man. 
Karasaka. You gonna play the role of Karasaka? It's gonna be a, a one-act Japanese play here. You are Karasaka. You are uh, the worldly way of seeing, right? The simple way, the fleshly way of seeing people, not with the eyes of God, but with human ego, with human greed, and human brokenness, and so forth. So you are always trying to get in the way of how others see other people and even God. Uh, we need a, a willing disciple of Jesus. That's all. Mom. Jesse, come on up here. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> uh -oh. Our church has insurance, so if you get hurt, you're with Oh, I'm sorry. Take your daddy. Go back there. <laughs> so you are a follower of Jesus. You have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, right? And so you have now been gifted with the Holy Spirit. God has called you to be a minister of reconciliation. Oh, Lord. Somebody want to be reconciled. Yes, sir. Oh, Lord. You go back. Malachi, come on. Malachi, Malachi. Oh, good. He even got the love shirt on. Come on. Yeah. Right. So, Malachi, you are a follower of Jesus. You are a disciple of Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, right? Okay, you love the Lord. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But you're called to be a minister, a servant, a messenger of reconciliation. You are interested in seeing people connect to God and also people connect to each other, right? But unfortunately, what happens is Karasaka gets in the way. Gets in the way. <laughs> yeah. It's worldly seeing. It's having eyes that can't see people for how God made them. It's when we see people based upon what our history tells you. So Karasaka is like when we have eyes that can't see the way God Amen. So Karasaka is actually a part of who you are. He's like the eyeballs. You can't see other people the way God is. So come on up here, man. And so I need another person. Somebody in our community. We got Jordan. Come on up. You want to come on? So you are a fellow student and community member of Malachi, right? But I want you to stay right here, Jordan. Stay right here and face them, right? Okay? Okay? Yeah, you're in the middle, right? Right? So, so uh, Malachi, you stay right here. Karasaka, you stay right here, right? And face uh, Malachi. Okay, right? Notice Karasaka can't see Jordan. <coughs> see, the flesh don't want to see other people the way God made. So I need you to try to see Jordan. But guess what Karasaka going to do? Karasaka going to get in the way and block your view. Now, you can't move from where you at. You can only go, you can only move, you can only sway your body this way, right? So what Karasaka does is get in the way. Come on. Come on, try to look at her, man. Try to see her. Try to block his eyesight. You can't even see her. Wave your hands, Jordan. Say, hey, Malachi, I'm over here. <laughs> you can't move. You can't move. Yeah. Right? Amen. So stay right there. Stay right there. So, so, so this is why we need God. See, this is what God do. See, God gives you kata numa. <laughs> you know what I'm about to say, right? Eyes of the spirit. Spiritual seeing. Kata Numa. We're not there yet. What? 
I, I didn't create a slide for that. So kata yuma, what, is, what, is, what, is, what does that mean? That means eyes of the spirit, a spirit point of view. It's as if God comes and gives you eyes to see other people. So what does what does Carter Numa do? I need Carter Numa. Who's gonna be Carter Numa? Terry, come on, Carter Numa. <laughs> See, Carter Numa is holy, the, the move, the hand of God in our lives. Come on, Carter Numa. Guess what? So, so, so try try to see what Carter no, don't jump in yet. So so you're trying to see Jordan, right? What what Carter, what uh, what's his name? Carter Saka. Carter Saka, right? What is he doing? He's blocking the way. So what does Carter Numa do? Just take him out. Just take him out. <laughs> so Carter Numa, come over here. Come over here. I need you to stand beside him, put your arm around his, his, yep, and I want you to point to him, point him to Jordan so he can see clearly where she's at. See, Carter Numa, the spirit of God and reconciliation, what God does, God directs your sight. God gives you clarity. God lets you see human beings made in the image of God. Thank you, Carter Numa. Carter Saka. It's forgiveness for you, too. Amen. Thank you, disciple. Jesse, thank you, man, for trying. You know, you got more important things. I told you, friend, I know. Amen. Amen. You practice reconciliation. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, he was forcing this. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Y'all see what is being done here? See, this is the thing I want you to get at at the heart of reconciliation. Let's go to that, right? When Paul says that we are ministers of the Akonos of reconciliation, I'm going to end here, y'all. I feel like the Spirit's tying this thing up. I don't want to belabor this point. Come to laugh for the deeper immersion into this, okay? Did he make a separate slide for you? Therefore, as anyone is in Christ. A new creation has come. To be in Christ is to be in personal union with the risen Jesus and in the body of Christ. To be in Christ is to be a part of a new creation with new eyes and a new kind of being in the world. What does this mean? To be in Christ is to be gripped by the love of God. By the reconciling power of God is to be gripped by that. See, people who are gripped by God, that's why me personally, I've been gripped by this God. That's why I, I'm so gripped that it's hard for me to, to just be around people that look like me. Amen. 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 I'm gripped to the point that they just I can't just listen to one kind of music. Amen. I'm so gripped, that's why I just can't. Talk one kind of way. I have white friends because I'm gripped. See, this is when you know you got white friends. I know the children's names. <laughs> I know their bad habits. I know their joys and their sorrows and their secret sins. If you don't know that, that other person is not your friend. They're an acquaintance. This is when you get deep into this reconciliation piece. But we are a people that have been gripped by this, this God, this reconciling God, this uh, kata numa. Through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, God unleashed upon the world creative and liberative power to make new kinds of human communities 
that are becoming more influenced by the new creation power versus the old creation. And see, here's the thing, see, a church, mm, a church is a human community of people that have been gripped by God's power, reconciling power to go through the history, to understand the antagonism, and to learn ways to surpass and transcend the very things that prevent humans from being together. And so let me say it this way. You see, the church is called to be a reconciling community. And so there's different ways to do that. I'm not just saying people get obsessed with, then that means we, our church should be more diverse. Maybe. Now we are called to be multi-ethnic. Mission House, the Spirit has called us to be that way. That's why we switched the music up. It ain't all gospel. It ain't all CCM. Right? That's why I reference Gandalf and Malcolm X in the same sermon. <laughs> That's why when we do art together, different people are at the table making art together. Because we're called to do this. Everybody ain't called to this. But that don't mean that out there in the community, in the world, that we can't work together. Black churches, white churches, brown churches, Asian churches. We should be able to come together for at least to demonstrate and give witness to this reconciling God in the streets of Salisbury. Amen. That's right. We are those that have been gripped by a new creation. And I love what Paul says here. He says this. All verse. Now you're going to read this different now. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So you thought that was just about, I just don't say bad words anymore. It's something deeper than that. This is the place where people should get a hint, should be given a hint or an echo of what God intends for human community. So the racial gender class divisions that are there. It's, that's, that's the thing. See, people who are gripped by this God, they can go where they're being sent. Mm. All, verse 18, all this is from who? God. God is the instigator. Next time I get into a Facebook beef with somebody, or in the streets of this community, I'm going to say, man, God is the instigator, bro. God started this. We just caught up. Mm. We just gripped. We messed up and accepted the invitation. <laughs> we RSVP, yes, the kingdom of God. Yes, and here we are, gripped by a reconciling and forgiving God. Yes, a God that walks through the history, through the antagonism, through the oppression, through the injustice that pervades even in the present moment. It creates a people in the midst of that to demonstrate his love and forgiveness and reconciliation. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? The church of Jesus are supposed to be those in the grip of this new power. <laughs> we were saying yesterday about resurrection. See, I, I, I used to be obsessed with trying to prove the historicity of the resurrection. They call it evidentialist apologetics. For all you nerd, fellow nerd here. To try to prove the historicity of the resurrection, right? There's debate about whether or not Jesus actually was a historical person. And then some say, well, yeah, he was real, but, you know, the resurrection thing is a little too weird and kooky. Uh, so, you know, historically, we can't prove that. And they're so right in this. I just can't read from you the Bible and prove that Jesus is raised from the dead. But, Pastor, how do we demonstrate to the world that Jesus is raised from the dead? 
by being a people that have been gripped by the power of the resurrection. Yes, see, see, you demonstrate the resurrection by living resurrected lives. Lives that are learning how to escape the grasp and the power of history, of an injustice, and simple ways of seeing ourselves and others. And so resurrection life is a life that is learning to move through human sin and to the other side into holiness, to demonstrate the love and reconciling forgiveness of God. And I'll finish here with my last point. I just said I was going to a Pentecostal, so I get, I get a pass. Grace. Paul says, I finished this, I want to send you out with this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Christ made this happen, y'all. Christ opened the door through his, his life, his ministry, his teaching, his death and resurrection by being a sacrifice. Jesus opens the door into a new way of living into this world and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Go to that ministry thing now. Oops, sorry. All y'all who, who Baptists here, y'all, about to get a whole new meaning of deacons. Right? We are all, all, we all are ministers of reconciliation. Did you know that? Don't raise your hand if you didn't know. You know. So you ain't got to order ordination papers in a Cracker Jack box. That happens, I Something like that. No. If you are in Christ, That's you right. de facto are a minister of reconciliation. That's right. That's right. Let's go to the next one. I'm a Baptist folk, right? This is where we get the word deacon from. Guess what? All y'all deacons in the biblical sense. Right? I'm not talking about the church hierarchy leadership sense. I'm talking about in the kingdom sense. We're all deacons. The word Greek there, diakonos, means servant, waiter, messenger. It literally means this. Go to the next slide. I want to get this long explanation. It literally means through the dust, referring to the dust raised by the busy servant or messenger. Right? It's a servant who is so busy and just doing the work that his master or his leader has called them to do. They are so busy in the community, they're raising up dust. A deacon just don't sit on the pew. I know that happens in some places. Amen. <laughs> I can think of my Baptist brothers. <laughs> and so, it literally means to kick up dust for the kingdom. That means you're moving with God. That means you're in lockstep with the Spirit, kicking up dust in the city. The problem is we've had a church that has allowed the dust to settle in this city. What does settled dust look like? Violence, injustice, yeah. racism, institutional racism, uh, discrimination, uh, violence towards each other, self-hatred, despair, and hopelessness. Guess what? When the dust is unsettled, when the dust is being thrown all over the place, what does that look like? It looks like hope. It looks like freedom. It looks like love. It looks like justice. That's what it looks like when the dust of God is spread all over the place. We are called to kick the dust. Ain't got to the good part yet. Then Paul goes, you are a dakinos. You are, you are called to kick up the dust for the kingdom of God. Because you're busy doing what you see the Father. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. This is what God is doing. This is what God is doing. If you have a question mark about what God is doing, if you, 
You can no longer say, I don't know what God is up to. I don't know what God is doing. It says it right there. God is reconciling all things back to himself. I don't want to hear another person tell me, well, I don't know what God up to. Now you know. Now it looks different in your specific life, in your community. But now you know. And he has committed to us the messenger, message of reconciliation. He has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Oh my gosh. We'll end here. And so he says, we have been committed this message. God has given us this message, this, this word to share, to live and embody, to share with other people. We are ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? What's an ambassador? Representative of someone else. Right, who's our ambassador to the UN? I don't know that. The former governor of South Carolina. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Was appointed by the Trump administration. But what her job is to do what? Represent the United States. To represent the United States of America to the United Nations. What does that mean? Does that mean she just shows up and sits at the desk with America on it? No, I mean, she might do that, but what I'm saying is what she's supposed to do is represent the interest and ideas and purpose and aspirations of our country amongst other people. Now, see, when we have ambassadors to other countries, guess what? We send people, say, for instance, we have ambassadors in South, South Africa, for instance, as, as Americans, right? We have our own ambassador who lives in South Africa. And he represents the interest and political self-interest of the United States of America in South Africa. He represents, supposedly, the will of the American people, or she, I don't know who the ambassador of South Africa is, but he or she represents the interest of the American people in South Africa. Guess where, guess the name of the place where the ambassador lives in South Africa. What do they call them? Embassy. Embassy. Mm -hmm. Who's that? Oh, man, Tasha. Got some geopolitical scientists up there. An embassy is where the ambassador lives, representing the interest of the ideas, the aspiration, and heart of the American people in South Africa. But the embassy is in South Africa. And guess what? And see, every country that hosts an embassy, they understand that embassy as territory of that country. Did y'all know this? Y'all see those spy movies, right? They're trying to make it to the embassy. Jason Bourne, right? They're trying to make it to the embassy. Why? Because they understand the embassy is understood by that host country. That's American territory. Just that little block is American territory. Followers of Jesus. Where's your embassy? Where's your embassy? Is it representing a particular nation? Is our embassy on Mars? It would be. Is it on Trappist? New solar system they discovered last week? Uh, or announced last week, discovered over a couple of years ago. They say. <laughs> is it in Salt? On Wind Street? Expensive? Isn't it your favorite restaurant? Or coffee house? Where is our embassy? Our embassy, our embassy is the heart of God. See, we don't represent mm, as Christians now. We primarily do not represent the interests of the nation in which we're naturally born into. No, it's in front of me. Right? You can be a citizen of the country, right? I mean, you're born here. If you're not, you're an immigrant. And that's why, you know, Christians shouldn't be the last one 
talking about who can't be where and mm -hmm. who can't pass what wall and borders and all this. I'm like, yo. Why? Because our embassy is the very heart of God. And where is God? Everywhere. <laughs> you see the dilemma. That's why followers of Jesus can't be caught up in this nation state stuff. That's America first. Not when your embassy is the heart of God. God first. What does God want? Not human beings who pretend to be God. That's it. Your embassy is the heart of God. That means that as an ambassador, you are a human being. You are a person that has been gripped by the heart of God. You have been gripped by the love of God, by the justice and mercy and love of God. You represent the kingdom of God in this city. Amen. It's when you're gripped, I can't see people the same. I can't live the same. I, I just can't be with the same folks that I normally am. I can't talk the same. I, uh, I can't have the same social economic status friends uh, as me. I can't be the same, uh, just hang around the people with the same educational attainment as I have. Why? Because my embassy is the heart of God. I belong to another world. You belong to another world. You belong to another creation whose boundaries are not set by greed and ego and racism and brokenness and human idolatry. You are belong, you belong to another world whose embassy is God's heart. What does it look like? The church is supposed to be a people whose lives and minds and hearts have been gripped by a new creation, by another whole world, a whole nother kind of existence. And guess what God does? And this is how funny God is. God will grip you, bring you into another world, guess what? And sit you in the old world. We are a people that belong to a new world that have been placed in an old world. That's what it means to be holy. We go through this. We are reconciled. I know I went long, but I think I had to preach the gospel today. Mm. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your people, God.